we're glad you guys are here today. And we're gonna, we launched a series last week entitled Seek. Um, there's a famous slogan and phrase that we see oftentimes this time of the year that says, wise men still seek him. We gave you this definition last week. When you seek something, it means to go in search of or quest of. When you seek, you're looking for something. There's this incredible search for something or, or someone. And we talked about last week that how at, uh, after the birth of Jesus, probably he was around the age of two when this group of wise men that we read about found him. He was about the age of two. Now, now something happened this week in my house. I, I, you know, I love this wise men still seek him thing, but I was at a pro, in a prominent location in my home this week and, and I saw something that my wife decorates incredibly. Um, and no, it wasn't at the refrigerator, Okay. My wife decorates the house incredibly, and, and, but she had placed this thing out uh, in this location, and I saw it, and, 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 it, and it, she's snorting up here. Can we get some gauze on the front row, please, for my, but anyway, but, but the, the, the whole point is, what if it would have been wise women that, that were on that journey? This is how I was offended. I mean, this is what the Lord spoke to me when, when I read this. What if it would have been wise women that set out on this journey to find the newborn king? The wise women would have asked directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable, made a casserole. They would have brought practical gifts and there would be peace on earth. I don't listen, there's a problem. Y'all clapped louder, hooted and hollered during that than you did about any of the songs we just sang about joy to the world. So there probably would be peace on earth. But regardless of the fact, we know that in scriptures, we looked at last week that there were three wise men that traveled from Babylon to find this promised one that the prophets of old wrote of. They they, they, they went to Jerusalem looking for him there. Herod said, he's not here, but oh, would y'all please go find him so that I too may go and worship him? Ah, oh, that's not what Herod wanted to do, right? But so they made their way to Bethlehem and they found the, the, the Christ child, the baby and his mother Mary in their home there in Bethlehem. And they presented him three gifts. What were they? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But you know what? I believe the greatest gift they brought that day was worship. They bowed down before the king. They knew that this was the one that would deliver the people. The children walking in darkness will see a great light. The wise men were seeking him. Last week, we talked about how God is not playing hide and seek from us, that God wants us to find him. And we're on a journey this December looking at the promises that come our way when we seek after him. In fact, last week we saw, he said, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Listen, God's not trying to hide from us. And for, for some of you listening here today, maybe you're like, I just wish I knew God a little bit more. Listen, the promise of the word is this. You'll find him if you'll just go hard after him. If you'll go with everything you have, you're going to find him. He wants you to know him. He's, he, his very name, Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, he came to us. He came to say, guys, I'm here and I want you to know me. Will you seek him? Will you go and find on this? Will you? Quest for him today. Will you seek 
him. You'll find him. That's the promise we looked at last week. Today, I want to look at another something that comes our way when we seek him. You, you, you know, there, there, this is probably the, the, the third verse in all of the Bible that I memorized when I was a kid. The first one, of course, was probably John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life, right? How many of you know that verse? Round of applause, right? <laughs> Saw it last night on one of the football games as they kicked the extra point. There was the banner, John three sixteen, behind, right under the all state logo. You remember that? You remember the rainbow Afro guy that used to hold those signs up at games? You remember that guy? Awesome. Google his story. Incredible story. The second verse that I probably learned growing up as a kid was the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And I memorized that one too, because I used to go to church on Sunday nights. Round of applause. Anybody remember those days? Yeah. And, 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 I, and, and maybe on Sunday nights when the pastor really hadn't prepared a great sermon or something, he would say, hey, let's just tonight stand and share our favorite verse of scripture. You remember that? And I would just say, Jesus wept, trying to impress my mom, who was extremely embarrassed that that was all I brought to the worship experience at the age of 10. But, but I remember that. But this verse that I remember was probably the first verse that I want to share with you today that, that I memorized to music, to a song. You know, a lot of our songs are, are written to music. And, and I know that in, 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 in certain Bible study methods or programs like Awana and other things like that. Sometimes we learn God's word to, to a tune, right? That this one in Matthew chapter six, verse 33 was one of those verses I remember as a child, but I want to share it with you today. I'm not going to sing it, but I want to read it to you today because I believe that it speaks that there is something beautiful waiting every one of us. If we will just seek and do what it tells us to do. Can I read the word to you today? Matthew chapter six, verse 33. Look what it says. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Round of applause. Have you heard that verse before? You have seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. But there's an important thing there. It says, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That's the promise of God right there. And if it's a promise of God, and we know that God is a God who keeps his promises. Pastor Tim said that to somebody a while ago in the, in the, in the baptismal waters out there. Listen, God keeps his promise. If we know that's the promise of God, that if we seek him first, if we make him our number one goal and we live righteously, he's going to give us everything we need. Why don't we do that more then? Why, why do we hesitate? And many people do hesitate, don't they? In, in, in pursuing God with everything they have and making him the number one focus and the number one priority. And I don't know why, but, but maybe it's because for some of us, we're afraid that if we really let God be God and number one in our primary focus in life, we're afraid of maybe what we might have to give up, right? We're, we're afraid of what we might lose if I just wholeheartedly jump in and, and make God number one and seek him as, as the, the primary focus of my life. I'm afraid of what that might require. Listen, I don't know what that might mean for your life. I do know that, that when transformation takes place in our lives, that there are some things that, that pass away, some things that we do need to get rid of. And there's some things that we're, we need to embrace. I'm just going to tell you this, the things that we're going to embrace and the things that God wants to do in your life when you make Make him number one, far outweigh anything you'll ever have to give up. I, I'm telling you, it's just, it's better. 
whenever he's your primary focus and goal. Are you with me today? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You need not be afraid of what you might have to give up if you begin to live out and do what it says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. What does it mean to seek the kingdom of God first? It simply means that you make Christ first in all things. In everything that we do, we let the spirit of Christ consume us and he is our focus and our goal. But listen, I know that it's difficult to do that, isn't it? Um, and, and listen, when we talk about seeking Christ and making him our number one focus and goal, that, 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 that doesn't mean that we have to quit everything else in this thing called life and, and, and just hang out here on these 30 acres in the trees and sing 1910 worship songs and read scripture all day and, and what have you. Listen, I, I, I believe that God can, can be our number one pursuit and, and even in this thing called life, Right? Listen, family's a big deal and job and school and, and your extracurricular, all those things are important. I think God wants us to enjoy that. But let's just be honest. Sometimes it's hard to seek first the kingdom of God because life has a way of squeezing him out, doesn't it? It just kind of, and, and listen, I know that we all have things that we need to fulfill and do and, and, and we all have uh, priorities and things like that. And in fact, maybe that's probably where we ought to start. What, what are those priorities in your life? Because the reality is life takes over and, and, and there are always gonna be more things for us to do, more things for us to be a part of, more things for us to pursue. But how can we, in everything we do, make God our number one pursuit? That's the question. In fact, that's what I want you to leave here with. We will have everything we need if we make God that number one pursuit. But how do you do that? How do you really live that out? I mean, can you really in this day and time sit around and read the Bible all day and pray and lay hands on? And so, I mean, can you really do that all day? I don't. And I'm the paid professional, Right. But, 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 but I like to hang out with friends. I like to go watch movies. I, I went and saw the Mr. Rogers movie this week. You, you need to do that. It's, it's, it's awesome. It, I, I'm telling you, it'll mess you up. But it's a sermon. It's a sermon there. You need to check that out. Um, but but how, do you do, how, how can we make God the number one focus? How can we with, with life? I mean, and, 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 and life just, I mean, it, it, it almost starts, the, 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 the squeezing starts really at birth. I mean, we, we, we go to school early on and, 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 our, and our goal in life is to make the grade and advance to the next level. When you, when you get in those middle school, high school years, maybe you start participating in some sport or other extracurricular that's going to require some time and it's about performance then. You, you, you graduate, you go to college, and then what do you do? Where you, you, you begin to pursue a, a, a dream, a focus, a <clears throat> career, and then you got to make the money and Oh yeah, and then man, you're looking for somebody special maybe to spend the rest of your life with. Kids, I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? Life can have a way, and there's nothing wrong with education. There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with graduating and getting married and having kids. Nothing wrong with us, but if we're not careful, we can let things squeeze us out. God, I, I wanna pursue, I think every one of you in this room today would say, listen, I, I would love to make Jesus the focus. I would love to seek first the kingdom of God. That, 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 that is a priority of my life. But this thing called pressure begins to, to, to surround us. 
It may look like I'm surrounded. And some of us feel surrounded today and the pressures of life are, are weighing on us. And it's, I really want to pursue God first, Jason, but, but man, I just, I just can't. That's why I think it's important for us to, to have the right priorities. We, we have to have those priorities set right so that when the pressures of life come, we will know what's most important, right? Your priorities dictate your life. Your priorities dictate the decisions you make, the places you go, the things that you do with your time. We all have the same amount of time each and every day, don't we? In fact, let me just ask you that question. As best as you can, as best as you can, kind of replay the week that you just came through. And, 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 and to what extent would you say, you know what, I can look back in my week this last week and I can see that, that you know what, I was focused and I was pursuing God first in this. You know, did, did you have any time in the word this week? Were, were there any times of special prayer that you offered? Was there time of maybe laying on hands and praying with someone? Was there a, a, a time of selfless act of service that maybe you perform? Was there an encouraging word you offered with someone? Can you look back and, and it's hard, isn't it? It's hard sometimes. I can look back and see that there were a lot of times this week in which I squandered making Jesus first in my life in pursuit. Now, there were some success stories uh, uh, during my week as well, but that might be something good for you to, to, to just think through. In fact, maybe just a homework assignment for you this week. I don't want you getting fat and lazy this Christmas season, but maybe, maybe you just need to schedule some time to do what Matthew 6, says. Listen, the promise is if I seek first the kingdom of God, if I seek God above all else, and if I live righteously, the promise is he will give us everything we need, not want need. Do we believe that? It's a promise. And I just see, would love to see what happened if maybe some of us put him to that test this week to see what happened. Your priorities. What are you pursuing in life? When the pressures of life begin to weigh on you, what, what, what happens? You know, I, I, I love that in the Bible, we can read about some real life people that 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 go through some of the same struggles and challenges that we do even today. Uh, and in, in Psalm chapter 63, we, we read about a king by the name of, of David. And, and at this point in his life, David is, is king and, and he's quickly been, been ascending in, in, in different levels of leadership. And, and you know that as you go to a different level of leadership, there are more and more pressures that begin to weigh on you and, and surround you and just kind of squeeze you. And, and in Psalm chapter 63, David finds himself, he's on the run. He's fleeing. He's running from his son, Absalom. Absalom is out to kill his father. You thought you had family issues? <laughs> Read Psalms and, and, and you'll find that, that David is on the run. He's probably sequestered, hiding out with some of his loyal fo followers somewhere up in the, the northeast portion of the Judean wilderness somewhere. Absalom's after him, trying to kill him. And, 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 and David is, 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 is holed up and, and he's fearful for his life. Or is he? He's not. Because as I begin to read to you Psalm chapter 63, what you're going to find is you're going to find a king that's on the run that's still thanking God and praising him and finding joy despite his circumstances and giving God glory for it all. Can I read you this story? 
And that's not Psalm 119, the longest chapter of the Bible. Praise God for that, right? We got baptisms next hour and we got to get through this. But, but I do want to read 11 verses from Psalm chapter 63. Look, look what the word of the Lord says about David and his response. He's being pressured. He's, he's being dejected uh, and, 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 and rejected by, by his, his son and some of his followers. But look what he writes, verse one. Oh God... You are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I, I, I've seen you in your sanctuary and I've gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. Now check this out. I don't know what you get like when you're thirsty or in a wilderness or a dry spot of life. But David is giving God praise and glory. Wow. I will praise you as long as I live. He says, your unfailing love is better than life itself. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. This is a guy that's had it all. But yet he's saying, you satisfy me more than anything I've ever experienced. How many of you know that to be true? That that's exactly what God does in someone's life. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Wow. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the, the food of jackals. That's a great tattoo right there. That verse in the Bible. right there. Die by the sword. Jackal food. No. Verse 11 says, but the king will rejoice in God. All who swear to tell the truth will praise him while liars will be silenced. I love Psalm 63 because it shows us the priority of a man that is facing tremendous pressure. And, and, and you don't find in there God pleading or David pleading with God for deliverance or, 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 or say, how could you do this to me? I don't know if I could write a song like this if I would have been in the same situation. My, my song in, in, in Psalm 63 would probably say, hey, God, do you know what you're doing here? Where are you? Can you get me out of this situation? Now, David wrote a song like that. I think it's Psalm chapter three. Read that one. But, but in, in Psalm chapter 63 here, we find a man that in the midst of pressure and distress, still praising God and seeking him. I meditate you when I awake all day and I think about you all through the night. Come on, who writes that? When times are tough, a man who has his priorities correct, a man who understands that no matter what's happening around me in this thing called life, I will praise God and seek him because he is my deliverer. His mighty right hand holds me, he says, safely and securely. Guys, listen, can we steal a page and learn from David? Can, can, can we Make God our first priority. In fact, I believe that seeking God should be our most important priority. 
I'm not saying that we should kick family to the curb and become lazy and not enjoy any extracurriculars and all that. But I'm just saying in the midst of all that, can we somehow find a way to bring God in the midst of this thing called life and him still be our aim, our focus and our goal? Even in the difficult times, like in Psalm 63, can, can we somehow make God our priority and focus on him to where, where no matter what happens in this thing called life, we still have great joy and believe that our God is able. Our God is stronger. Now, now you know that the, the Bible is filled with this promise, but, but one of the things that we as pastors love to do is we love to build you up. We love to gut punch you. I'm not trying to destroy you or tear you down today, but, but I do want you to know something else. On the flip side of that is that if we do not seek God and make him a focus and a priority of our lives, there are some other things that can happen in our lives as well. In fact, I just want to read to you what it says in, in, in Romans. When, when, when the Bible begins to describe what happens to that person that, that pushes God out of their life. Look what it says in Romans chapter one, beginning verse 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge or to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and he let them do the thing that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness and sin and greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Does this not sound like the culture in which we live in today? Listen, God, God, God will allow you to pursue whatever you choose to pursue. He's not some dictator up in heaven that's programmed us and wired us to be puppets and robots. And no, no. he gives us something called free will, free choice. And he, he will allow every one of us in this room and those of you dialed in right now, he, he, he will allow you to pursue whatever you deem worthy of pursuit. But I just want to encourage you, 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 you need to be careful because we have, you, you, you know that we're not wired naturally to pursue God. You know that, right? We're, we're wired the opposite. We're wired to pursue the flesh. We're wired to pursue the things of this world, right? That when, when the Bible says that we all have sinned, that, that's how we come into the world, okay? We, we, we come into the world not, not necessarily desiring relationship and fellowship and communion with God. We, we come in thinking selfish thoughts, wicked thoughts, ugly things. That's why I love when, when Jesus steps into someone's life, he transforms that way of thinking. And he, he gives us a new way of thinking. That is the greatest miracle in life is when someone who was lost is found. It's the greatest miracle. That's why we hoot and holler and celebrate with those that are being, being baptized. That is the greatest miracle of life. You saw a miracle today. You know that, right? Somebody say, hey, how was church today? Say, I saw miracles. Saw people that were dead now have come to life. But God's going to allow you to pursue whatever you deem as a priority in your life, whatever's most important to you. And we do that, don't we? Well, whatever you deem is important, whatever's a priority or focus of you, you pursue that whole hog, don't you? You do. You go hard after it. So I want to encourage us to be careful about what we pursue 
And, and I want us to be careful about squeezing God out. Letting the pressures of, of life come in in such a way that, that we do not make time for the one who says, listen, if you'll just make me your main focus, if you'll pursue me above all these things, and please, I'm not saying that y'all have to quit what you're doing and become a pastor or a monk somewhere. That's not what I'm saying. But how can I bring God into my home and my family? How, how can... When, when I go to work tomorrow, or maybe even today, how, how can God go with me to, to my job? How can I bring God into to a difficult situation? How can he be still in the midst of that, my focus? And as he is, the promise is, you live righteously and you pursue me and make me your number one goal. I'm gonna take care of those things that you need. And so I want to encourage you with, with some things today. First of all, remember what we looked at last week in Deuteronomy 4. You, you will find me when you seek me with your heart, soul, and your mind. Jeremiah says, when you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Jeremiah says in another place in Scripture, saying, call to me and I will answer you. Right? So, so, so God wants you. But will you seek him and will you pursue him? And again, remember what I just said. We will not, um, um, you're going to have to make a special effort in order to pursue him because you got to be conscious of it. In, in fact, for some of you, maybe the assignment might be this week is to, to look at your schedule and you might need to, to set aside blocks of time in which, you know, I'm going to spend time in the word. I want to pray or, hey, I want to worship or, hey, I want to do this. or I want to. Hey, would you maybe set aside willingly and consciously some things this week in your schedule in which you say, you know what? OK, this is one of those seeking God first moments. I'm going to consciously schedule that and make it happen. Because if we just go out at laissez-faire, you know what? We won't. You'll show up next Sunday. You'll come for a cookie. But you'll come and just, I'll give God an hour. There's, there's more. God, God's got another 167 hours this week that he wants to commune with you. Amen. We don't need to be afraid about what he may call us to do. Because again, what he supplies is so much better than anything that we probably ever thought of. Would you stand with me today? Our ministry team is going to come and join me down front today. And, and I'm really excited to see what's going to happen in your life this week. As you seek God above all else, and as you live righteously, the promise is he's going to give you everything you God, thank you for that reminder today through your word. A simple reminder. God, when I, when I read that verse, I, I, I'm reminded that you know some stuff. That you know what's best. And God, you're, just, you're waiting for me just to, 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 to dive in with you and to let you be my number one aim and goal. And, and if I will just let you take over and take charge. And if I will pursue you, Lord, oh God you've got so much in store for me things I can't even think about that's my prayer for everyone listening today Lord that we would make you a priority this week even in the midst of the season and the craziness and parties and jobs and family and sports and 
games at Kyle Field, Lord, can we somehow still just seek you? Wise men and wise women do that. Wise men and wise women seek him. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do this week in Jesus' name.